Welcome to Christian Faith Center Caldwell Campus Podcast. Our prayer is that you are blessed and encouraged by this message. For more information, you can visit experiencecfc.com. God bless. Uh, We are in a message series called Spirit and Truth, where we have been looking at um, just the dynamics of worship and why we as New Testament believers worship the way we do, why we pray the way we do, and um, the importance of having God's presence present when we worship because it's all about his presence. Really, that's what transforms our lives and deepens our relationship with him. And today, as we continue talking about worship, I want to talk about worship as warfare. Worship as warfare. You know, and I'm not talking about fighting over which worship song to sing at church. Like, I mean, I know that happens sometimes, right? We have some warfare with that. Maybe the music's too loud or too quiet or the fog's too much or something, right? Not talking about worship and fighting warfare in church that way. I'm talking about the fact that there's a spiritual war raging against every one of our souls right now as we sit here. That we are enlisted automatically as we're born on this earth into the spiritual warfare that is going around us um, as the Bible says. You know, imagine a... You hear about a burglar on door on your Ring app or um, through you know your neighborhood app, and you know someone is going around casing houses and trying to rob them. What would be your first immediate reaction when you hear a news like that? I got someone answered. It was a rhetorical question. Okay, uh, our immediate reaction is usually to. Um, arm ourselves or to get something to defend our homes and if we hear or know of a burglar trying to break into our front door or back door I mean we live in Idaho I mean you don't want to mess with us Idahoans right every other person has a firearm or something I didn't bring any firearms today but I know that if we're faced with a challenge of we hear there's a burglar around our neighborhood or in our backyard first thing we're probably going to do is Call the police, right, a higher authority. Next is we're going to go find our arsenal, and we're going to put on everything we have. So, you know, maybe it's a bulletproof vest. Oh, there it is. I'm not very good with this thing. So uh, maybe it's a nice bulletproof vest. You know, we'll, we'll put it on. We'll grab our firearms. We'll grab our bat. You know, we'll stand right there. We're just getting ready to defend and to wage war against that enemy that's about to enter our home. Is somebody with me? Am I the only one, right? We're going to grab whatever, whatever, uh, whatever thing you can find, um, whatever thing that's closest to you. If you're my wife, you're going to run to the kitchen and you're going to find a knife. And, and you're going you're gonna to find a, I mean, I don't know why I would have a knife like this in my kitchen. There it is. You know, you're going to find a knife. You're going to stand there. I'm just making uh, a, a joke. She did that a couple weeks ago when I was at home. Uh, or, or you actually might even, something better, you might find a pot, right? You might find a pot and you're just getting ready to wage war against the enemy that's about to come through your door. You don't care and you're, a, you, you're mama bear or papa bear. You're ready to defend your house with whatever it takes. Can I get a witness? Come on. Yeah, it, it, that's just the way it is. That's the way we, we are wired. We call for help, but then we also arm ourselves. We don't just go hide away. We get something to be able to defend ourselves. So imagine if we knew about this, you know, situation or a burglar trying to case our home or trying to break in and we would take these precautions 
Um, the Bible actually tells us about a real enemy that's after our souls, that's casing our lives, come on, that wants to break in and wants to cause some havoc in our lives. And uh, I think it would be a wise idea on our behalf to arm ourselves properly, right? To take the precautions necessary against the enemy of our souls that's working overtime to really cause havoc in our lives. You know, the fact is that God loves us and has a great plan for our lives. But the devil hates us and has a terrible plan to destroy your life. That's just the fact. When you receive the Lord Jesus into your heart and you receive his spirit into your life, all of a sudden you're an image bearer. You have God's presence, God's spirit in your life. The enemy looks at you as a threat and as a target. And he will do everything in his power to try to pervert the image of God in your life. To try to make you miserable, to try to take away your joy, your peace, and your victory you have in God. He might not be able to take salvation from you, but he's going to try to cause hell around you. And some of us could attest to that. I mean, some of us, we've been through some things. And maybe today, you've chose to come to church this morning, and you're going through some things. And you're going through hell. And you have things happening in your life. And you're thinking, Lord, man, like God, help me with these things. How do I defend myself? And that's really what I want to talk about today, that our worship is actually warfare, waging warfare against the enemy. That our worship is a tool, is, is a firearm in the spirit, is a baseball bat, a good slugger that can whip the enemy out of our midst. In, in, whoa, in Jesus' name. <laughs> In Ephesians 6, 12, it says this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The Bible tells us, it gives us, it gives us a cheat code or a cheat sheet and tells us that, hey, the battle that we face is actually not on a physical level. It's not what we always see with the naked eye, but it's actually something that's occurring in the heavenlies and constantly there is a battle going on between, uh, uh, between the angels of the Lord and between demonic entities and they're actually fighting on our behalf. Did you know that when we are praying or when we going through a struggle, God already sees what we're going through. And as we're asking the Lord for help, he's already dispatching angels from heaven on assignment to protect you. He's actually fighting on your behalf. You know, through life, we, we will go through situations and trials and, and tribulations and things that are way too heavy for us to carry by ourselves. And I have news for us that we were never designed to carry the burdens and the circumstances of life by ourselves. By ourselves, we will fail every time. We will feel crushed. We will feel defeated. But we were meant to be able to walk it with the Lord in our lives. Matter of fact, Jesus says that, come to me, all you who are heavy, burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. I will, I will take your, your weight from you and give you my yoke, which is easy, which is light, which is beautiful. And you can walk along 
with me. You know, and there's this war that we automatically are enlisted in. Want it or not, we are going through it. But God has the victory. And in order for us to be successful in this war, we need to learn how to wage war. And we need to learn how to wage war through worshiping God. Through worshiping God. That is a tool that God has given his children to be able to use uh, in times of war, in times of need. I want to focus in on a story that we find in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And then I want to um, go ahead and read this and hopefully derive a few principles and lessons that we can apply to our lives today and this morning. I want to pray before we begin reading. Father, we come before you right now and we thank you for scripture. God, I thank you for your spirit. God, I thank you for strength. God, I thank you that you have the victory. Lord, I thank you that you've brought us through many different things. We all have different walks of life, and we're sitting in this place, and it's not a coincidence we're here this morning. I ask you, bless us, God, as we look into Scripture, and I ask you, renew our faith, strengthen our faith. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We see the story that unfolds with the nation of Israel, the people of God, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And, um, and I'm going to start from verse 1. But it's an interesting story of enemies coming against um, the nation of Israel. And it says this. After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Munites declared war on Jehoshaphat, which was the king at that time. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you and beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazan Tamar, that is another name for En Gedi. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of, of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord, he, paid, he prayed, O oh Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler, our ruler of all kingdoms and, and of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. O oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when the people of Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham. Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said whenever we are faced with calamities such as war, plague, and famine, we can come and to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you and to save us and you will hear us and rescue us. And now see what the army armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sire are doing, you would not let our ancestors evade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us, for they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. And verse 12, oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army. This is a that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Oh God, won't you stop them? We ourselves are powerless, 
we don't have what it takes. This thing is too burdensome. This thing is too heavy. This thing is impossible. Lord, come through on our behalf. Who's been there before? When you face things in your life that seem so heavy, that seem so intense, to where you have no other option, to where you have no other option but to run to a higher power, to and a higher authority than yourself. You see, it's, it, it's, it's King Jehoshaphat, his default, he knew that the enemies were coming and he was helpless. He was outnumbered. He, he was outbeaten, outstrengthened, and he called the police. I mean, he called on the Lord. He called a, a higher authority than himself because he knew that he was king of the nation, but he knew within himself he did not have what it takes to fight against this army. You know, we weren't meant to carry this weight alone, like I said earlier. And some of us, maybe even this morning, you've come in with a burden. You've come in with a weight. You've come in with something to where you don't have the wisdom to deal with the circumstance you're going through. I have good news for you. I know who does. There's a lot of times, you know, being in ministry and, and working through things, you hear a lot of needs and problems and issues, and you go through some things yourself. And I have to keep coming to the, uh, reminding myself of the fact that before this problem came across my table, God already knew about it. And that it's not going to help if I am stressing about this thing, if I'm just panicking about this thing, it's not going to help me resolve it because he already has the answer. And if he knew about it before, he already has a way out. He's just looking for my heart to get into posture of worshiping him. Of worshiping God. You see, Jehoshaphat, as he's praying, he's reminding God. First of all, he starts fasting. He, he, starts, uh, he starts calling all the people to follow him in this seeking the Lord. And he starts reminding the Lord of his promises. He starts telling the Lord, Lord, wasn't it you that gave us this land? Lord, this land is actually not our land. It's your land. They're trying to kick us out of your land. You see how he's reminding the Lord back on the promises of God. And he's saying, you, we, your people, you brought us here. And now we're faced with this impossible situation. You know, it's interesting. We can find ourselves in life sometimes. We receive the Lord Jesus into our life. We start walking with him. And then we realize things aren't actually getting easier. God doesn't supernaturally just pull us out of this thing we call life and we all of a sudden avoid all the life circumstances that we went through before. I think one of the, one of the biggest things that I've come across with new believers, they receive the Lord and think, man, why am I still going through issues? Why am I still going through these problems? It's so hard. It's unbearing. But listen, yes, you give your life to the Lord and now instead of you going through this problem yourself, you go through with him. Just because you've enlisted on the Lord's side, you've received him to your heart, doesn't mean you're going to get pulled out of the battle. Now it means you have a different way of fighting the battle. And now it means that instead of you fighting it yourself, you're going to let the Lord fight the battle for you in Jesus' name. And you see, it's beautiful when the Lord starts fighting the battle for you, he always gets the victory. And he knows the best way out.
Number one is that worship, it will establish leadership in our lives. Worship will establish leadership. We see King Jehoshaphat. He starts leading by example. He runs. He's the top of the nation. And he runs and he bows down before the Lord. And he starts praying to the Lord for an answer. And the nation of Israel, they follow him in this as well. Leadership is so important in warfare. Leadership leading by example, having a leader. You need to have a, a person that's in charge, a, a lieutenant, someone that's in charge of the troops, someone that can say what to do, you know. And we as individuals, today's Father's Day, we as fathers, when we lead our households, we are the leaders of the households, the Bible teaches us. And when we uh, position ourselves to fight or to defend or to protect when we hear about a burglar coming into through the front doors of our house do we send our wife with a bat to stand by the door and we hide in the back room hopefully not or you got a really buff wife right right usually what we'll do is honey get the kids go hide I'm gonna stand here and defend the house right and that's what we do because that's what men are wired to do that's what that's what our instinct usually is and you know we lead by example and so we see here King Jehoshaphat he knew he did what he knew how to do best is he went and sought the Lord and the people followed he went and sought the Lord and the people followed. You know that oftentimes the answers that we look for in our families, in our workplaces, in, other, in our ministries, in other places in life actually depend on our posture. We want to see results in our children or in our homes, in our spouses, in our workplaces, in our ministries. But until we ourselves posture ourselves and worship before the Lord, we will not see the results. You see, it's a trickle-down effect in leadership as you posture yourself in worship to God. And if whoever you're leading is also going to benefit from your posture. It's a blessing that God will actually give to everyone that you're leading in your house. And we see as we continue reading in the story, verse 13, it says here, as all, in all, as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jahazel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. So he was a Levite. He was a minister. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat. And he gives him a word from the Lord. He says this, this is what the Lord says, do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Listen, somebody here this morning needs to hear that. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You might be facing an enemy that looks like you have no chance against him. Listen, but it, the Lord is on your side. And the battle was not yours. I just love that, that the battle that you're going through is actually God's. You see, when a person receives the Lord into their heart, all of a sudden, everything that you're in, uh, influenced by or impacted by or comes against you is actually coming against God. He's on your side. 
Verse 16, tomorrow march out against him. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens up into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. I love that. Take your positions. Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. O people of Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid nor discouraged. Get out again, go out against them tomorrow for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same as they worshiped the Lord. You see, the enemy was coming. And that was a fact. But the king, in his leadership, what did he decide to do? He decided to follow the instruction of the Lord. He worshiped God. He worshiped God. You know, as a leader... As a leader, you have no other choice but to worship God. As you worship God, it will make you a better leader. It will make you a better leader in your house. It will make you a better leader in the workplace. It will make you a better leader in your ministry. You see, that is directly correlated. You are the lid to the thing that you lead. And so if you want to see growth, if you want to see God touching those people that are with you, your children, your spouse, family, people around you, you have to be the one that initiates that in your life. It's quiet in this church. Somebody say amen. You see, and I'm not bringing down on the fathers just a little bit, but really this applies to all of us, all right? Us fathers, we got we to gotta get up and we got to stand up. We got to get tough. We got to stand in the gap. We got to understand us to posture our hearts before God in worship is not a ballerina stance. Come on. It's a war stance. It's getting your bat and ready to slug stance. When you're worshiping God, that means you're ready. You're saying right here, come on, pitch it. I'll get it. Right there. And you position yourself for the victory. And you're not relying on your own strength, but you're relying on the Lord that will come through and make his will pass in your life. You see, when you worship, it's, you don't worship just because you like to do it. It's actually an act of leadership. It's an act of leadership. When you worship, it's actually what you're doing is you're saying, Lord, I am not capable to fulfill this task, so I'm worshiping you and posturing my heart so you can help me lead whoever is following me. You have to worship in ministry. You have to worship as a parent and family, and that will give you the vision and the strength necessary to lead those who follow you. You see, and when you worship, all of a sudden your worship establishes Jesus as your leader all of a sudden instead of you being on your own king jehoshaphat he was over a nation and but in times of trouble he recognized he needed a leader we can be the top dog in our business in our workplace in our ministry but in times of opposition it's we realize very quick we need some leadership and we need some supernatural insight because the war that is waged against us is not a physical war, but it's a supernatural war. And if I'm going to be successful in fighting in the spiritual war or waging war, I need to learn how to worship. I need to learn how to follow my leader, which is Jesus Christ. I need to learn how to wage war through worshiping God. 
through worshiping God. You know, I think in particular, men might have a little bit of a more of a struggle to worship and get intimate in worship than women do. You guys remember that song that we used to sing in church where, I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hands. You guys remember that? Lay back a hand uh, uh, against you and breathe, feel your heart beat. I'm like, what? Right? As a man, it's just unnatural. We're like, well, what do you mean? I'm going to lay against Jesus and hear his heartbeat. And, and you know, it's just, and it's this beautiful picture of an intimacy with the Lord, you know? And it's like we sing these things. And so sometimes we look at singing or worshiping as, ah, that's a girl thing. You know, that's just, that's just, it's a little, little wonky for me. A little, I don't know, a little too close, right? I'm just going to sing the Mighty Warrior songs, but I'm not going to sing these songs, right? And we've made out worship to be this this thing that's like, you know, it's okay. But let me tell you something. It's not hership. It's warship. I mean, it's warship. When you're going to war, I mean, it's a war. It's, you're, you are facing an enemy, you know. And what happens is the devil, he sees when you start worshiping. And the devil will get confused when you start worshiping. You see, they were faced with an enemy that was out, outnumbered them, that was coming against them. Yet they decided to worship the Lord, come before the Lord. And imagine how confused the enemy it gets when you start singing in the midst of a war. There's a couple reasons why we need to worship and we need to worship loud when we are waging war. One, number one, it's, it confuses the enemy. The enemy will get confused. Why are you yelling and why are you screaming? You have no reason to. You're outnumbered. <laughs> you might be yelling from fear sometimes too, right? <laughs> but you're yelling because you're standing on the promises of God. The battle is not yours. Number two, some you need to yell for yourself too. Because your thoughts that are going through your head are so loud that you need to raise the volume and you need to retrain and declare to your mind that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you need to declare that the battle is his, it was never yours. And you need to declare that I might be down and I might be struck down and I might be going through some circumstances and through some issues, but God has the victory. The battle was never mine. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Did you know that worshiping is actually one of the manliest things you can ever do? We know about King David. King David was a man. He wrote like most of the Psalms in the Bible. But he was a man after God's own heart. He was, uh, he was a man that worshiped God. He was very close, very intimate with the Lord. Yet, he went and took out Goliath's head. You guys remember that? He went, chopped off that bad boy. Woo! He took off that head. He waged war. The Philistines ran. I mean, he did some damage. But before he did that, he worshiped. You see, he had a leader that was leading him. He did not act on his own accord. He acted in unison with the Spirit of God. We need to be people that worship. Worship, it creates leadership in our lives. We are led when we worship, and we can lead when we worship. You know, we don't expect when we have a, a burglar come into our home, we don't expect our wife to stand at the door with the baseball bat and we go hide in the back room. <laughs> we go stand at the door and we have her hide. You know, nobody, it, it's like going to the gym and getting out bench pressed by your wife. You know, nobody likes that. Gosh, I mean, some of y'all women are pretty strong. So, 
I mean, if my wife outbenched me, I'll be okay with it. Right? And, and, and sometimes, sometimes, you know, it's, we have to understand that by nature we're wired to be. That's just the way we are as men. We want to be strong. We want to be courageous. You know, just a little side note here for the single ladies in the house. If you're looking for a man and you're looking at somebody and he's handsome and cute and smooth talking, but he doesn't worship, look for another man. Start looking for somebody that worships. Start looking at somebody that's bench pressing in the spirit. I mean, start looking for somebody that's working out. I guarantee you God's will in your life is to find you a husband that can lead the family, that can lead you. And you guys can worship the Lord together. Not one that just sitting there on the lazy boy saying, hey, you go get it, you go do it, you go get the door, you go do everything. I'm just going to sit here, you do the worshiping, you do the hard work. I'm, I'm just here for the ride. Doesn't matter how handsome he is, get him out of there. In Jesus' name. So number one, worship establishes leadership. Number two, our worship is actually a weapon. Our worship is a weapon. Second Chronicles, continuing in the story, verse 17, it says, but you will not even need to fight. I love that. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. O people of Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid or discouraged. Get out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then the king Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clan of uh, Katah and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout with a very loud shout these boys were worshiping I mean these men were worshiping you see sometimes we think worship looks like this go to the next slide but it's actually go to the next slide after this it's like this come on that's worship right there it ain't no ballerina for you sometimes we think worship go to the next one over here Looks like that, but it's actually like that. Come on. When you position yourself to wait for the Lord and to worship, doesn't matter what you see in the physical, doesn't matter what you're going through, what you're feeling. Listen, you position yourself. What you're doing is you're arming yourself with the weapons that aren't carnal. But they're mighty through God to pull down strongholds. You arm yourself with the things, with spiritual baseball bat, with a spiritual AR-15. I mean, you are there against the enemy and you're about to slice and dice him up, all right? You're, you're, gonna, you're doing some damage and it confuses the enemy. It confuses the enemy because he thinks, how do you have it in you to yell, to scream, to shout? When you have this vast amount of people coming against you. When you have this vast army coming against you. How do you have it within you? And it's actually we are waging war. We're not just waiting for the enemy to get there. We are waging war already to get him off our property. Devil, you ain't going to have my family, my dog, my cat, my house. You ain't going to have none of it. I'm going to get you off my property before you even get on my street in Jesus' name. 
You know what's interesting is that, yes, we're called by God. We're loved by God. He fights for us. But it's interesting that he still allows us to go through the battles. God called this nation to be in this land. God led them out of Egypt. God did everything. But he still allowed them to face their battles. And we need to understand we are called by God. We're loved by God. But we're still going to have to face battles. But we need to remember that the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The devil is defeated by the Lord. When we go into the battle or when we face the battle, instead of coming in, hands put together and really quiet somewhere in the corner, Lord, just bring me through this. We come in with hands raised up high, shouting, screaming at the top of our lungs for myself and for the enemy to know that God's on my side. Some of us, we need to shout. Some of us, we need to scream. Some of us, we need to pray like never before. We need, to, we need to worship like never before. Fast like never before. Seek the face of God like never before. It will confuse the enemy. The enemy is waging war against your souls. He's trying to kill, steal, destroy. Trying to break you down. But God is calling us to worship him. Because as we worship, we're making room for the Lord to move on our behalf. In Jesus' name. We're making room for the Lord to move on our behalf. And number three is our worship. It will win the war. Our worship, it will win the war. As we continue reading this story, it talks about Jehoshaphat, the people of God. They're positioning themselves. They're standing before them. They're screaming. They're shouting. And as we continue reading, it says this. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord, praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Look what the people of God sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. And verse 22, it says this. At the very moment, at the very moment they began to sing and to give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sire to start fighting amongst themselves. Listen, I got news for you. When you are going through some things and fighting and you position your heart to worship God, the Bible says at the very moment you yield to the Lord, God's already working on your behalf. Just because you're not seeing the instant results does not mean God has not dispatched angels to confuse your enemy. Does not mean God has dispatched already angels. They're already working on your behalf. They've been working when you're sleeping. I mean, you're snoring. You're sleeping until 8.30 in the morning and they're working on your behalf. I don't know. That might be pretty early. <laughs> until 12, I guess. They're working on your behalf. And I just love that about the character of God and what happens as we continue reading is that they come up to this valley. This valley that was supposed to be cursed. Lots of bloodshed should happen. And what happened was they come to the valley and they see a bunch of dead bodies. They see a bunch of dead soldiers that God confused them and they all died. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped, the Bible says. And verse 25, King Jehoshaphat and his army went out to gather the plunder. 
They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables. More they then could carry. And the Bible says that it took him three days to actually collect the plunder. And the last verse, on the fourth day, they gathered at the valley, in the valley of blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the valley of blessing today. It is still called the valley of blessing today. When we worship, we're calling on the Most High to come and save us. We're arming ourselves with every spiritual weapon. And we're guarding our hearts by strengthening our faith as we prophetically sing God's praises. We're calling a higher authority. We're arming ourselves with the tools God has given us through the word of God. And we're not standing on our own promises, but we're standing on his promises. And last but not least, we guard our hearts. We guard our homes. We guard ourselves. And we declare the promises of God over our lives. Worship is warfare. Worship is warfare. When we worship, the, I believe, the gates of hell, they tremble and they shake. When we worship, it's not just something that we do going through the motions, but we are literally engaging in warfare. We are literally waging warfare against the enemy against the things that we find and what I love is this when you let the Lord fight on your behalf and when you surrender to Jesus and when you yield to him he will fight the battle for you and he'll make it in a way that you don't even have to lift a finger you just keep your posture before the Lord the Bible says that they won the Lord had the victory but they got the plunder when you do things God's way, he will not only take what the enemy meant for evil and protect you from it, but he will actually turn it for good. That arsenal that the enemy has been coming against you with, when you position your heart to worship, God will take that and you're going to benefit from that situation in your life because he loves you and he's a good father. He cares for you. He knows you by name. He knows what you've been through, what you're facing today, what's going on in your heart. He sees every battle. He sees every addiction. He sees every weight. He sees every sickness. He sees every disease. He sees your, your, your bank account. He sees all of it. And to him, it's not foreign. He's very close, the Bible says, to the brokenhearted. He says he's right there. He's just waiting to get your attention, to posture yourself, to yield before the Holy Spirit, to yield before God so he can have some room to work in your life. Our valleys don't always become mountaintops when we pray. God doesn't always pull us out and put us on a mountaintop. Sometimes we need to see it with our spiritual eyes and, and go through it with ourselves because he's forming us. He's building character out of our lives. But you know what happened in the story is the valley that was supposed to be their end was actually called the valley of blessing up to this day. You see the blessings of God, the Bible says, are to the thousandth generation. 
And when you posture your heart and you bring your family before the Lord and say, God, I don't have the capacity within me to lead my wife, to lead my kids, to lead my home. Maybe you're in ministry, to lead your ministry. God, I need you in my life. And you posture yourself before the Lord in this way. God's blessing will absolutely be on your life. God will make a way. And even when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, God's angels are dispatched and fighting on your behalf. But you need to submit yourself to the Lord. You know, it's really all about leaning on Him. It's about yielding to Him. Yielding to the Lord. And what worship does, it will turn a valley of demonic attack into a valley of supernatural blessing. That with the enemy planned for evil against you will actually turn for good when you yield to God. To the, in the world perspective, this does not make any sense. It's very confusing. But in a Christian perspective, in a Bible perspective, in a children of God perspective, it makes absolute sense. What kind of good father would not want to protect their children when they're going through something hard? What kind of good father would not want to stand there with a baseball bat to knock the devil out of the park? I mean, imagine if God's a good father, if he's our main example, that means he is in heaven. First of all, cheering us on, wanting the best for our lives. And he's standing there with a bat just waiting to knock the devil out. He's just waiting to knock it out of the park. Some of you need to hear that. You've been going through some things. God doesn't hate you. He's not against you. He's for you, but you need to worship. Some of you, you need to worship really bad. You need to worship today like never before. You need to scream your guts out. You need to scream to the Lord because the enemy is coming against you and you need to have a battle cry. And within that battle cry, what's going to happen is your own self is going to snap out of the comatose you've been in. You're going to hear the voice of God. You're going to hear the words of God. And it's going to transform your mind and your heart in Jesus' name. Why do we gather together when we pray? Because you need somebody on your row to scream loud by you because it's going to wake you up out of the thing you're going through. And you're going to realize this curse that I'm going through, this valley of demonic attack is actually a valley of blessing when I position my life before the Lord. God loves you too much to keep you the same. He loves you too much to drop you like a pancake. He loves you too much. He knows your address. He knows your email. He knows where you live. He knows what's in your mind and your heart. And he wants to bless you. He wants to touch you. But would you worship him with everything you have? Would you posture your life before him? I want to lift, stand us up to our feet. As we conclude the service today, you know, I believe the Holy Spirit is present. And he loves us. And he loves you. And he wants to fill you. He wants to transform your life. He wants to do something new and something fresh in your life. Maybe you're a father or a leader of something. And you just need to get back into tune with him. Maybe you've never surrendered to the Lord and you need to establish a leadership in your life, Jesus Christ. During this next prayer, I want us to pray our own prayer. You pray your own desires before the Lord. If it's a prayer of surrender, if it's a prayer of something else, just wherever you are, saying, Lord, I recognize I need your leadership. 
Lord, Lord, I recognize I need your touch. And during this next song, as we worship, the altars are open. There are prayer teams up front. There are pastors up in the front. If you need to worship and you need to give a shout and you need to just step out of your comfort zone, man, come up here in the front and worship with us. Scream like never before. Declare like never before. Life is too short to continue living in fear, to continue living beat down by the enemy. I want to pray for us before we continue in prayer. Father, right now, let's just lift our hands before the Lord. Father, right now, we surrender before you. And I ask you, God, for every person in this house right now, God, I just sense just a tension in the spirit, God. There are souls that have been oppressed for long periods of time. There are souls that have been in this valley of demonic attack. God, there are people here right now that they're going through some things and you want to break them out of it. God, you want to pull them out. God, you're going to do a transformation even tonight, God, today, this morning, in their lives, Father. I pray in the name of Jesus right now, any bond, God, any oppression that's on your people, I ask you, loosen in the name of Jesus. And I ask you, God, come with your presence near to us right now during this next worship song. And make yourself evident here right now in the name of Jesus.